Welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin, and I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for listening uh, or downloading or whatever it is. What do you do? I guess downloading. That's that's probably right. Thanks for being a part of the pod. It's fun. And, uh, it, you know, I'm impressed, you guys. You just stick it out. You just keep listening. It's, uh, it's crazy. You're hardcore, dedicated fans, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. It's it's great all the way around. Things are good here. It's been a wild and crazy end of the month because we're heading into a new month. In fact, the first pod of the month. Uh, and so that means that summer is over and we're definitely into the autumnal season, which I've told you every year for the last 10 years is the best time to be in New Mexico. It smells good. It's great. It's fun. But I kind of am sad because... Summer's gone, and I'm, I was—I didn't appreciate it fully. In fact, I'm kind of freaked out that it's over. So enough said on that. I mean, this, I could complain about this forever, but we just must continually forge on. We must always stay busy as we can be, and not too busy, because you should question a life of emptiness because you're so busy. I mean, I think about that a lot. Is Are, are you busy so much that you, you the rest of your life is kind of meaningless? And I actually think, as crazy as that sounds, pretty philosophical, I know, it's a pretty good and important thing for us to think about. Are you doing what's right? Are you hanging out with the right people? You know, you know the drill. It's, it's just, and, and certainly you are today, because today's going to be uh, kind of a great opportunity. I'm really excited this podcast is a sweet one. I think you'll like it very much. The audio is a little screwy on this, um, which is just kind of what happens. I mean, I, I'm apologizing because it's a little screwy, but also it's just, it's how many times have you done a Zoom meeting, Teams meeting, Google meeting? You know, it's just kind of, there was a little, there was a little set aside and you'll hear it. So there's a little brief moment of silence and then the conversation picks up. You know, it, it's fine. You don't have any problem with it at all. And the reason I can say that is because today you get to meet Rear Admiral John Meyer, United States Navy, retired. Now, the retired part's new. That just happened. But he's been a good friend and a very, very conscientious sojourner on the new safety journey. He, I mean, he's, he's one that I think is worth thinking about what he did with his career. Not just because he's uh, an incredibly established and important person, you know, we got lots of those, but because he also looked at safety and said, if we continue to do the same things harder, nothing is going to change. Therefore, I should actively go and seek people who are looking at this problem through a different lens. And that's how I got to meet Admiral Meyer. I'm mining my own beeswax, you know, just doing stuff I do. And my phone rings, and I don't answer it because I don't know the number. And then it rings again, and I answer it because I think, well, they tried twice, so they must want me. And it was a person saying, um, the Admiral would like to speak to you. Can we arrange a time? And so I said, well, wow, really? 
that's not normally how calls work for me. Usually people say, hey, what's up? And I was like, hey, not much, you know, but I'll gladly do that. So we did. We arranged a time and we actually, it worked out. We got on the call and we discussed sort of a new definition for safety, that safety, although on the surface looks like you're managing the unexpected, you're managing accidents, that you're managing injuries. In reality, those aren't the things you manage. What you manage is the capacity to have injuries successfully or the capacity to have accidents in a system that's taller enough to accept those accidents. And it was a great conversation. I mean, we probably talked 20, 25 minutes, and it was amazing. I mean, it, it was really fun. We had a great discussion, and it was, for me, kind of fun because I always like talking to somebody who's on the journey and thinking through these questions because it's really important that you start where they are. And, and so I knew right where the Admiral was, and we were able to have that conversation, and everything went marvelous. And I didn't think a thing about it. Not a thing. I mean, it's just one more conversation. You have them all the time, too. And they're all great, but I didn't think any. And lo and behold, when I wasn't looking, they took that information and ran with it and did some amazing things. In fact, a, a very amazing thing. And you're going to learn about that amazing thing in this podcast. But what you're really going to learn is about the journey that the Navy is on and currently on is probably the right way to say that. And specifically, we're going to look at naval aviation, kind of the top gun guys. That, that's who we're going to look at. And the journey they've been on to understand not just mishaps, not just aviation accidents, but, but accidents as a whole throughout their entire operations. Because it's expensive, and you're going to hear this, if you crunch two planes into each other on the deck of an aircraft carrier, the flight deck of an aircraft, or, or, or in an airport, I mean, or uh, you hit the side of a hangar with a wing, those are all, you know, million-dollar problems. And I'm not making that up, like million, sometimes millions of dollar problems. And so by looking at the world differently and by actually understanding that the best resource the Navy has are the people who do that work, these folks went on this incredible journey. And it was very fun. It was really fun to watch, but it was more fun to see what they did. And that's the part where you get to come in. So I probably shouldn't talk much more because I could go a long time, but I think I'd rather pass it over to Admiral John Meyer, United States Navy, retired, great guy, wonderful human being, and safety thinker. Sit back and My name is John Meyer. I'm a retired Rear Admiral in the United States Navy, serving as Commander Naval Air Forces Atlantic. In our journey, we started a safety journey really about three years ago when I showed up in the job. And much of this was modeled on your work, Dr. Conklin. And wow. it started actually after there was a pretty significant fire on a ship in the Navy, and it was a, a ship that was in my carrier strike group before my most recent job. And as the fire investigators were walking through the ship and literally sifting through the, the burned out portion of the ship, they made some comments about how kind of cut open like a can and kind of created a chimney effect. 
any in that discussion because that would have been really nice to know or discover before the fire. And the investigator's perspective was that if a fire started, it was just going to go. And the first book that I read on that journey following that was pre-accident investigations. Me down this path and I've done a lot of reading. It's been a real pleasure to pull you and your team into naval aviation uh, to come to our first safety summit to speak to us on multiple occasions. So this journey is really uh, in large part thanks to you. Wow, that is such a kind thing, and I'm so pleased to hear you say it. Talk to me about the intersection between safety and leadership at your level. That's the I always think that's the really interesting part of the story that doesn't get told very often. I think the biggest part of that, from my perspective, is I, I recognize that we really needed to change how we thought and acted about safety. I thought really we had to to change the way we did business. Largely, it was uh, reactive, sifting through the wreckage, coming up with lessons learned, trying to make changes. Largely, a lot of administrative controls would flow after that. It wasn't working. And I realized that it was enormously important as a commander that to not just say that safety is important, but to really uh, live that and to engage with people. And I did a whole host of things. I, I've you know, read a lot of uh, books in this space, but I sent your books out to prospective commanders at the at lower levels. My office for training, I spent an inordinate amount of time talking about safety with them and really what it means to me and how uh, my approach was. Foundationally, though, that humans are really, really good at making mistakes so consistently and so well. And where commanders, uh, bosses, the leadership comes into that is if you know that people make mistakes strongly, that it's our job to set up sufficient controls so that when those mistakes happen, we don't seriously hurt somebody or we don't damage our equipment. But that's a huge shift in thinking traditionally at the senior leader level. I mean, one of the things I find so interesting is this next maturity, this next phase of safety clearly really involves exactly what you just said. Senior leaders think differently about safety, but that's a hard shift. How did you sort of help navigate that? Well, I will tell you, I think I started as you know, alone in the wilderness on this from, um, from my organization's perspective. And really just started pushing this with my safety team, which was pretty small. We did it also, so I've got extra safety representatives throughout. But I think when we talk about changing the safety culture and the journey for that, that's not a, it really is gonna take a number of years. And I, we're about year two into this process, sort of a slow start. But we've really changed, uh, again, foundationally, how we look at it. Safety summits, safety assist visits, people, commanders, and uh, safety officers in squadrons and other units. We've sent them to Albuquerque to see your team. We've invited you to speak. Matter of fact, you spoke at our very first safety summit where we had about 500 people here in Norfolk. That was fun, too. It was really fun. It was really uh, interesting to see. You know, the cover of your book that has the Jenga pile on it, but to see the actual demonstration and to stitch it all together in person was really fantastic. Well, that's such a that that shift, that paradigm shift at leaders is 
is kind of difficult. And even your comments note that it's hard for organizations to change. What's your advice as a voice in the wilderness to, to get the big organization to turn a little bit? My advice and my approach was persistence, belief, really from everything that I've learned in this space, largely by you, but I, I really loved uh, your book with Sidney Decker, your collaboration, because I think that that really characterized so much, even the title uh, of captures where we're at in that space. But I think it was consistency. And just, uh, you can't just, you know, expect to say that safety is important and then go off to the next topic du jour. If it is truly important, you have to lead with that. And I would argue that you have to lead with that. And if you have to end with that as well, and we frequently, the fact that our sailors in the Navy are our most precious resource. And to me, this is just a, a affirmation in action that that's true, that I owe it to the young men and women that serve in our Navy to make the workplace as absolutely safe as I possibly can. Uh, and little things uh, like improving lighting in hangars, which doesn't sound like a very big deal until you see a hangar that was at 25% of the OSHA is now lit at 150% of the OSHA standard. Wow. And to hear sailors universally say, it's like night and day. And it's a cliche, <laughs> but it's wonderful to see that and the positive impact that that has on their ability to work safely. I don't think it counts as a cliche when you actually increase the lighting by 75%. It really is like night and day. <laughs> but the, the struggle, and I, I shouldn't say but, the, the struggle is getting the old school thinking out of the way. That's the part that I'm interested in and how you sort of looked at that and what you saw, because probably not all your peers were on this journey right away. No, I don't think they were. And I would tell you that I, I think you're hitting really right to the core of this. Really involves a different way of thinking and acting about safety. And, and again, it's, it's this persistent aspect. It's, it's very easy in my organization in the Navy, we're a very hierarchical organization, you know, very traditional Napoleonic kind of wiring diagram of an organization structure. So from down and in from my position, I would argue pretty easy to change that. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, that old adage of that which interests my boss fascinates me. So I think I, I got a lot of attention in that space at, at a larger, uh, more laterally and more up the chain, but slower to make that progress. And those people up the chain play an important role, and it's it's just a it's a it's a curiosity to think why they would hold on so tightly to a method that's really only brought them to where they are now. It's 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 not moving forward. It's it's just kind of stalled in place, and that's probably the best case scenario. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think that the notion that when somebody makes a mistake at work where somebody tows an aircraft and it hits another aircraft. Certainly, the people making that move didn't mean to do that on purpose. You know, they, there was a combination of factors. The conditions changed. An example of that would be when we tow aircraft, normally we don't move the aircraft any closer than five feet to each other on an aircraft carrier. And that's good under daytime conditions when the flight deck is dry and the ship's not moving, but there's reaction time of the pilot, the experience of the director, the surface, 
and there's potentially oil or hydraulics, or maybe it's worn down or the ship's moving or it's raining or it's dark. And there's all these other variables that come into play that can make that more hazardous for an event. And I would tell you that the old think was that when we had a crunch like that is what we call those. Uh, and to put that in perspective, a, a very small crunch can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars in our aircraft. And the very traditional method was to punish the individual in terms of qualifications, performance evaluations, not necessarily fire them. And I'm, I'm really fascinated with this notion that blame doesn't fix anything. And it's really the, the learning starts every, and you create this learning culture. And as commanders, as bosses, we completely own that response. As a more balanced response as far as how did we get ourselves in this situation? How can we maybe put in better controls? Perhaps our training or our oversight was not uh, quite where it was, or maybe we didn't account for some of the variability in the work that was happening in that particular instance. But but that's the part that I'm uh, fairly successful at driving that, at, at least in the, the Atlantic uh, Naval Aviation Forces. And that's so, I mean, that's so vital because it sets the stage for you to learn different things. How good, how good were you guys at learning? Pretty good at learning. Although we continue to crunch aircraft. Uh, so I, I think we are learning better. We are doing some things differently in this space. We've, as we've discovered is that we haven't really trained the people that tow the aircraft and handle the aircraft that well. And now mind you, you know, this is on an aircraft carrier at sea, much, much closer together than you would ever do normally. Right. Think about the environment that we work in. It is a very hazardous environment. We land on a very narrow, short runway and we use an arresting air cable to slow the aircraft down in that short distance the aircraft in the space that probably nobody would reasonably think about doing more than 20 aircraft in a more of a commercial field so it's very close very dynamic lots of moving parts in a very very hazardous environment so the the progress that we've made there has been i think slow on that front as an example is that we didn't train those folks very well. We trained them very early on in our career. And then they have this kind of sinusoidal aspect as they go through their career where they kind of ramp up and they go to sea and they get very good and very proficient. Report, and those skills have a tendency to atrophy. Sure. What we did is we created a schoolhouse for this where we got some, we call them duds, but they're old inactive aircraft that we've put wheels on. We have the tow tractors for that. And we've created obstacle courses to really skills. And I, and I kind of stole this from some other places that I've seen. I, I saw an organization, the Navy, that was doing this with truck drivers. They were doing effectively their own truck driving school, and they created their own course. Our aviation ordinance community has done something very similar to this as well. And we just didn't have anything for the handlers, which are the people that move the aircraft. We're early in that, so we've only done three classes so far is that we will have better trained earlier in their, their workup cycle and we should have a safer uh, outcome as a result of that. What's the take up on that? How do the sailors feel about that training? They must love it. The feedback we got is that they absolutely love it. So these, you know, we're, we're taking sailors that are in port in a shipyard largely and the, we don't, no, not anybody can 
maneuver an aircraft on the flight deck. These are called the aviation bosun mate handlers. And we take them off the ship in class sizes. The last class size was about 40 people. And we bring them together. We have some driving tractors and some directing and wing walkers and, and the safeties and the oversight piece. And then we take them through these obstacle courses. And the feedback that we got was fantastic from the first two courses that we did. And I think if we do this right, it'll be constantly iterating, constantly improving, as well as learning from the incidents that we have at sea. But what we have seen, and I don't spend a lot of time looking at the output so much. I spend much more time focusing on the control side of safety in our organization. We acknowledge the fact that we're at about 10% the cost of damage of where we were last year. So I think this is an indication that our journey's on the right vector. Uh, we still have a lot of incidents, but those incidents are by and large uh, smaller in magnitude, lower cost incidents, not the big incidents uh, or the significant injury and fatality incidents. And, and I'm re- a little reluctant to say that as well, because in this line of work are somewhat superstitious to an extent that right. if you pat yourself on the back too much, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's always hard to measure something that doesn't happen. So every time you didn't have a crunch, uh, it's hard to measure that. But I think that's such a brilliant idea because not only is it really a good way to simulate the work, but it's safe to fail. And when you couple those two things together, right. you've got the simulation, which is brilliant. We know that. And a safe to fail environment, best possible scenario. What a brilliant idea. Right. There are a few areas I think that I'm, what we do in naval aviation is absolutely world class. If I look at years as an aviator, we have this process. It's called PEBID, Plan, Brief, Execute, Debrief. So you never go fly an event without significant planning and a, and a pre-flight brief. You go fly the event. And then oftentimes in the debrief, you'll spend as much time as you did in the, in the flight itself. Starts. And you continually do that PEBID process throughout. We're very good on that. We're less good on that on many of these other evolutions, whether it's an aircraft move or uh, a maintenance move. And we are pushing that uh, better. We're also very good, I think, in the engineering space. We've got an organization in in the Navy that uh, basically has a, a very robust engineering analysis that whenever we detect we analyze it. We may put particular bounds on the aircraft, redesign, et cetera. It's very rapid. And, and there, But the area that we need to improve on more, the most, I think, is, is actually in reporting. And, you know, to your point, um, I think the rest of the Navy refers to them as gifts now, too. So I've been talking about this for a while, and we have a near-miss call. I refer to it as a gift, and how awesome is this that we get to have all the learning sequence? No wreckage to sift through, no memorial service to go to, but I can learn everything. And if I can aggressively pursue those, I think we're make, we are making very good progress there. But we need to do better near misses so we can act on them. What advice would you give leaders now? Look, looking at your career, it's a good time to ask that question. What advice? What do you wish you'd have known? Well, I'll tell you the advice I would offer is this notion that I really believe that as leaders, 
in almost any organization, we're generally responsible for two things. One is the the stuff in, in my business that has been of ships and aircraft. And it's how you use the stuff and the people to to create naval air forces that deploy forward that are ready that hopefully act as a deterrence and with the ultimate objective of preserving world peace, but wholly prepared for combat if necessary. But it's the it is the blend of those two works without the people. And so my this has just been kind of reinforced more and more the longer I've been in, is that the people make all the difference in the world. They're not, it's not just words that they're our most precious resource. They maintain the equipment. And it's our job as leaders to set the conditions for them to be successful. Give them the tools, the right procedures, the right training, make for a safe work environment, and then kind of just get out of the way and let them get after it. Beautiful. Thank you for your time. What a great little talk. It has been a, a real honor. And, and like I said, you know, at the outset, uh, Todd, this is, I, I think, started, you know, really, you and I had a personal conversation very, very early in this journey for me. And you really, I think, gave me a vector. And many of the things that I talk about today are deeply ingrained in your work. Take that and to modify that for the Navy out of the vector that we're on. And I'm confident that we're going to continue this path. Thank you, sir. That was so much fun. That was. That was was, uh, a blast. Thank you so much, Todd. This was uh, a real honor to be on here. And uh, I can't wait to, that I've convinced to listen to your podcast to uh, call me and <laughs> and talk to me about it and that sort of thing. I'm so, sure that'll happen. Awesome. Thank, thank you, my friend. Have, and, and I have, will tell you. Oh yeah, go ahead. You, I will. I will tell you. You're clearly uh, very comfortable in this process because you've done a million pods. It's so prolific and it's it's kind of such a free gift to all of us. Um, you know, you show up right at four o'clock. Boom, ready to go. Hey, let's have a conversation. I've been sitting on here for 30 minutes, you know, didn't want to miss it, didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> I promise you, I, I knew this one would go well, so I wasn't even worried. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome, son. Have a good well, weekend. Same to you. See you soon. Thank you. So what do you think? I told you. First, it was super interesting, and and it is really interesting to me. The thing that interests me most was the fact that they created a simulation center for moving planes around the deck of a, uh, the flight deck of an aircraft carrier. That that's brilliant. That's brilliant at so many levels. That's that's noteworthy and cool. All of our companies do stuff like that, but it's really fun to hear them doing it. That makes a huge difference. And um, he's just he's just a golden little gem of a human being, and it's fun to talk to him. I'm glad you got to be a part of this. This was a good one to hang out with. I'm glad you were here. Thank you for your time, and thank everybody for being a part of it. Tell your friends if we can get more information, better, anything new, whatever you want. Just give us a jingle, and we'll do it and make sure it happens. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. Check in on one another. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. (laughs) 